0: again Psalms 89 I will sing I will sing of the mercy and the loving kindness of the Lord forever and with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness from generation to generation for I have said the mercy and loving kindness shall be built up forever Your faithfulness will you establish in the very heavens. And you have said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one, I've sworn to David my servant. Your seed will I establish forever and I'll build up your throne for all generations. Selah. Let heaven praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the Holy ones. We say, who can be compared to you, Lord? Who among the mighty is likened to the Lord? O God, greatly feared and revered in the council of the holy ones, and to be feared worshipfully, revered above all those who are round about him. O Lord, you're the God of hosts. Who is the mighty one? Who is like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness is round about you. You rule the raging of the sea. When it waves arise, you steal them. You've broken Egypt in pieces. With your mighty arm, you've scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours. The earth is yours. The world and all that's in it, you've founded them. The north and the south, you've created them. Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon joyfully praise your name. You have a mighty arm, you're strong in your hand, and your right hand is soaring high. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and loving kindness and truth are before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light and favor of your countenance in your name they rejoice all the day and in your righteousness they are exalted for you are the glory you are the glory you're the glory of our strength and it's by your favor that our horn is exalted and we walk even this morning with uplifted faces Our shield belongs to the Lord and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Remember when the Lord fed all those people? Remember that? I thought it was really interesting because he didn't bow his head he just put it up into the sky and i thought man maybe we need to start doing our when we uh have our food you know and when you know instead of bowing your everybody bow your head and close your eyes everybody lift your head and raise your eyes and look up from where our redemption comes from our help comes from the lord maker of heaven and earth my help comes from you Lord and my soul exalts you Lord great are you Lord great are you Lord and greatly to be praised And, and I find my confidence in you Lord I find all my hope in You. My heart has become glad, I'm filled with joy, I'm filled with light, I'm the Son of the Lord. We the sons and daughters of the King, we praise You this morning, Lord. We honor You, Lord. We magnify You, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And greatly to be praised. Lift up your eyes from whence cometh your help. My help.
1: Say, oh, worship in spirit and truth, oh, worship in praise. I tell my cold fingers to worship, I tell my cold heart to worship, I tell my mouth to sing out the praise, sing out the receive the the, uh, God's
0: unconditional love towards you. Because the Lord has already fulfilled every condition for you. It's finished. I was just reading in Isaiah 11 and Acts 2.14, he says, They'll neither hurt nor destroy on my holy mountain anymore. And a lot of times we think about what we've done in the past, it can guilt load us, or maybe I'm going to do something wrong in the future, and it shame loads us. But the condition has already been fulfilled for you in Christ. They'll no longer hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. No more. Why? Why? Because every condition has been met in Christ. So it's no longer that I that's living, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not me, it's not what I've done, It's not where I'm what I could do is Him. you see? It's unconditional election. Yeah, but what did I do or what should I have done or what could I do? And then my soul is accelerated into Him. And it's Him living His life in me. So it's no longer what I have done or could do or should have done or shouldn't have done. It's no longer me. It's Christ living in me. This is the glory message of the Gospel. And then His life, living His life in you goes back to Him. From Him and through Him and to Him, be the glory. And yes, then experience the Godhead work their life through you. And be free. For freedom He came to liberate all of
2: us. Out
0: of bondage and into the glorious freedom. And then now we worship. We worship you for who you are. Oh, this great liberty. We've been liberated from every sin and bondage because Jesus has already fulfilled everything at the cross. It's done. I'm not trying to get approval, I'm not trying to get somebody to like me. What? Oh, I found the one whom my soul loves. Let the flame burn hot, Holy Ghost. Burn, burn, burn. Fiery hot love. No more me seeing me, but me seeing him. Oh, be free in him.
1: Praise we will praise we will praise Oh would you come come our own
0: Me Too movement. (laughs) The the real one. We're having an experience up here. I've never had this experience in a meeting before, ever. Um, The only way I know how to describe it is the whirlwind. I know we have wind, but I close my eyes and wind moving like this. I was telling Stephen, so he said, oh, that's what happened to Elijah. And when the Lord comes to Job, and when the Lord's throne chariot, it says it'll be on the whirlwind. And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So there's a, like a centering of your heart, you know, right here, like, like Elijah in the cave also, right? It's the still, small voice in the midst of the eye of the storm. Just a steadfast look at his face right now in the middle of the whirlwind, Job, who is this that darkens counsel? words without knowledge, get ready for a difficult task like a man, I'm going to ask you some questions and you'll tell me the answers, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, Tell me if you possess understanding. Who sets his measurements if you know? Who stretched the measuring line across it? On what were the bases set? Who's the one who laid the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang in one chorus, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea with doors when it burst forth, coming out of the womb? Oh, when I made the storm clouds its garment. Thick, darkness is swaddling them. When I prescribed its limits and set in place the bolts and the doors. And when I said, To hear you may come and no further. And I said, You proud waves will be confined like this. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning? Or made the dawn know its place. Give us a revelation of who you are, O Majestic One. Make yourself known, you who ride on the whirlwind, the great, majestic, glorious One. We're asking you to come down and hang out with us. We want to be tethered up with you. Let your kingdom come on earth right here as it is in heaven. of the earth and now shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes its shape like clay under a seal. Its features are dyed like a garment. And from them, the wicked, the light is withheld and the arm raised in violence is broken. Have you gone to the springs that fill the sea or walked about its recesses of the deep? No, Lord. no, I haven't have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest, darkest? Have you ever considered the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me. Tell me if you know it at all. Who are you? Lord? Do we even know you? What direction does light reside in darkness? Where is this place that you may take them to your borders, perceive pathways to your houses? Will you know? For you were born before them, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouse of the snow, or seen the armory of the hell, which I reserve for the time of trouble, for the day of war and battle? In what direction is lightning dispersed? Or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who carves out a channel for the heavy rains and a path for the rumble of thunder? To cause it to rain on the uninhabited land, a desert where there are no human beings. To satisfy a devastated and desolate land and to cause it to sprout with vegetation. Does the rain have a father? Or who has fathered the drops of the dew from whose womb does the ice emerge and the frost from the sky? Who gives birth to it And when the waters become hard like stone and when the surface of the deep is frozen solid? Can you tie the hands of Pelades or release the cords of Orion? Can you eat out the constellation in their seasons or guide the bear with his cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens or can you set up their rule over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds so that a flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts and they go? Will they say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the heart or imparted understanding to the mind? Who by wisdom can count the clouds and who can tip over the water jars of heaven? When the dust hardens into mass and the clumps of the earth stick together, do you hunt for the prey for the lioness and satisfy the appetite of the lions? And when they crouch in their dens, when they wait in the ambush in the thicket? Who prepares the prey for the raven? When it's young, cry out to God and wander about for a lack of food. Mm-hmm. No one is like you Lord.
1: the Lamb and the word of a testimony, not loving our lives unto death by the blood of the Lamb and the word of a testimony. Don't love your life unto death by the blood of the Lamb.
2: of God, you actually open your arms, and you receive boldly, approach the throne of grace. We tend to cower because we don't quite understand what's going on sometimes, but just want to describe this, when the storm of God is upon us, it is like this, now this is the heavenly view, and then I'll share the earthly view, heavenly view, from the throne, proceed, flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder and a burning lamp and another burning lamp and another burning lamp there's burning and there's lightning and there's thunder this is the burning one that is at the center of the throne and so we burn as he burns we don't have to produce the burning it's his burning as we boldly approach the throne of grace soldier before the throne There were, as it were, a sea of glass. And so, as we are called to abide, he's the abiding one. It's in his abiding. Jesus is the one who abides. And so we abide in him, this sea of glass that is around his throne, this place of utter peace. And yet, at the same lightning and thunder, Lion there, and there's an ox there, and there's the face of a man there, there's an eagle there. How in the world can you stand in a place of complete and utter and profound and absolute peace in the midst of that? And yet that's the peace that crushes Satan. And so that's the heavenly view, the earthly view, Ezekiel chapter 1. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming. A great cloud with fire flashing forth continually, and a bright light around it. And in its midst, something like glowing metal. In the midst of the fire, and there were figures resembling living beings, and their appearance was as human form, four faces and four wings. And on and on this goes. And the living beings ran to and fro, like bolts of lightning. This is real stuff. This isn't manby pamby Christianity. We're heading into the storm, and this is a glorious storm, but we have to learn to not put up our umbrella, put it down, open our arms, and say, okay, God, burn in me, burn in me, burn in me, burn in me. I trust you that you are help me abide in you and abide in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But
1: fix my eyes on the prize, i looking at you. I fix my eyes on the prize, I'm looking at you, Jesus. King and God, friend and brother, you're not just trying to get us to comfortable, you're trying to get us to you. And the resurrection that you paid for.
3: man.
0: Well if you were with us last week and if you were, if you weren't i'm I'm just going to pick up a little bit uh, out of Acts chapter seven and and then build out of that um, uh, this morning last week I think I read I read all of Acts chapter seven to you and this is the uh, when Stephen is martyred and uh, of course I'm not going to do that again this morning but Uh, Kara, last week, she said, you know, something really stuck out to me in that passage in Act 7. And, uh, you know, there was so much, there's so much there in the richness of Stephen's sermon that, you know, we could spend the next 52 hours, Richard, (laughs) going over Act 7. And we wouldn't exhaust the, the glory of what Stephen was saying in his sermon before Uh, The people that are going to end up killing him, and especially Paul, who's going to be there. God's going to raise up a great apostle out of Stephen's death. But um, one thing that Kara had brought out, and it it really did strike her, and and it's something I wanted to bring attention to as we head into our text this morning, was in uh, Acts 7, verse 41. And what Stephen was saying is that God had raised up Moses, a man in the wilderness in his generation, and he's he's making an indictment against the people in that day and saying, you didn't listen to him uh, when he came to you and when God raised up a voice in your midst. And he's he's telling them what what the issue was that they were dealing with in that day, and I thought it was really profound, actually, what he says here in in verse 41. He had went up into the mount on Sinai and was receiving uh, the Decalogue, or the ten, uh, ten aspects of the covenant. And, and while he's up there and he's, he's displaced from the congregation, uh, Israel is going to become uh, forlorn and concerned because The leadership is not, I don't know if they thought, okay, he's went on to be with the Lord, and why are we waiting around here on something to happen? We we've got tired of waiting for God's movement uh, to come to us. We've spent, you know, 490 plus years, many of those years left in slavery and in bondage. Uh, we 've been waiting on the move of God to come in our uh, among our people. We believe that we've been marked by god's hand, and yet the guy that's led us out here in the middle of nowhere we can't seem to uh figure out where he 's went you know and Israel's got tired of waiting they don't like the waiting thing and i you know i don't know if this You know, especially we were having a talk in our own personal family this week about Karen and I was like, there's so much things that are grabbing the attention of her and I and our children, and things are trying to get a hold of our attention all the time, legitimate things, things that have to be taken care of in daily life. We were saying we recognize that we're just the kids and we, we need to just be still, And uh, we we were driving in from uh, Veritas, pulled in car, and I was just like, you know what? We're not getting out of the vehicle, and everybody's going to sit here. And, you know, Elizabeth started to talk about how the Lord was dealing with her last week in the meeting, not to be distracted and not to, you know, there's so many things that can interfere with our mind, you know, our own sense of consciousness, someone else's consciousness. If if you're like a filler, you can feel other people. You get into their mind, and you're thinking what they're thinking. I pretty much sent my whole life aloof to everybody. And uh, then the Lord started to mess with me. Then I started being able to think and feel some of the things other people were thinking and feeling. I was like, leave me (laughs) alone. I "I really don't want to know what you're thinking, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Y'all were in an argument before you came to church, and I know it, (laughs) you know. Uh, what's the conflict in you? And you know, you know, you start to feel. And I, like I said, I spent most of my life not being able to feel much of anything except what I wanted, you know. And so it's it's a challenge to be in a condition of we don't know how are we going to take care of da da da. What did they think about but what, what what? You know, and my, my, ma. And as Janie says, nee nee nee. Like every time J.D. say that, that's what it translates to me. Neat, neat, neat means. <laughs> you know, this is good preaching. No, just, What is a neat, neat, neat? And I'm. I mew? i do not know, but I know what you mean. It's translated. This is blah, 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 coming at your not, 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 and getting your what, what, what out of him. <laughs> i spoke in tongues. And now y'all understand, you know what I mean, do you not? The things that are encroaching upon your, thi- your deal, it's trying to get you out of focus, out of peace. And the Lord, the Lord is wanting to speak. And we may, and I, I'm sure of this, I'm absolutely sure, he had to basically just... Put me in a place of complete dependence or I'd have never paid attention to him at all. And thinking the whole time I knew him. That was a, when we first started this journey. The Lord said, I said, what are we going to do on that mountain? He said, no, me. I said, I already do. Let me just say, I, I did it. <laughs> I'm not so certain I s- still do. Really. You no, know, he's not an arrival point, is he? Well, like I got saved and I was baptized, I was, I was made holy. I got my stopping point. The Lord's uncreated. He's ineffable. He's eternal. You're not going to exhaust him. And so the Lord's always like looking to posture us in a place of be still. And you know, um, uh, we get this antsy thing going. And we want to be seen doing something for someone else or, you know this, and, or for ourselves. And the Lord's like, hey, dial it down. Come and know me. Let me be known to you. Now, we don't want that Matthew 7 indictment. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I never had intimate knowledge of a relationship with you where you knew that I knew that you knew that I knew. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know when the Lord intervenes in your life and you know he set the thing up and you know that he knows. If you don't know that, go ahead and repent because if you don't know that he knows, you're in trouble. I said that a few years ago to this guy and he said, he came up after the service He's been doing all his pastoral work, healing, all his stuff. Scared him half out of his wits. Got the fear of the Lord. Carol, I don't even know that he knows. And I said, man, that's the start. That's called the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to know that God knows you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you might want to just turn towards him and say, Lord, know me. Because I don't want to stand before an uncreated holy God one day and he doesn't know. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things about waiting is being known. And you don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it because your greatest encounter is right there. He told me, he said, You're so, you pay so much attention to the external, you would never even come for the eternal. You're so outwardly focused I said, thanks, Lord. You know how the Lord is. He just tells you just like it is, in the most kindest kind of way, (laughs) right? Well, Israel's struggling. And listen what it says it says, He says, our ancestors were unwilling to obey him, but pushed him aside. They turned back to Egypt in their heart. They said to Aaron, Make us a God who will go in front of us for this Moses. Who led us into the, out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's happened to him. If you've ever been in a leadership vacuum, it can be troubling. Some of you guys that have families, you ever left your wife with the, the kids <laughs> for a long period of time? They don't always go good. Let me just say, if you do that. You know, hey, I need you. I need some help. There's, you know what I'm saying? Where are you at? Uh, we get in these places in our life like this, like Israel did, and, and listen, to what, listen to what Stephen says. He says, at that time, they made an idol in the form of, of a calf, and they brought a sacrifice uh, to the idol, And begin to rejoice at the work of their hands. What do you do for a living? You know what I mean? What? What do you do? Identity. They begin to rejoice at the work of their hands. Stephen's saying, he's looking at Israel. He's saying, guys, this is the problem. Now, you know, and he's going to go on to say later on, he says, you know the Lord isn't going to dwell in a temple made with man's hands. You guys are getting your satisfaction. You're getting your sense of identity from what you do. I mean, you know this, and this nation it's rife with this mentality. Jeremiah, I believe in Jeremiah 9, he says, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the mighty man glory in his might or the rich man glory in his riches, but let him glory. If he's going to glory, glory in this, that he knows me, that he's known by me. Let him glory in that. Because where this thing's going for all of us, the Lord, many of us, And I I don't know if you've had this happen to you, but you'll get very frustrated in your relationship with the Lord if you're pulling your identity out of what you do. And you'll feel a sense of anxiety that can come in and collude onto your families and onto your life because God doesn't want you to have that kind of mindset in you. And when you have felt needs, and we all do, and they're real, and we got to take care of things. And the Lord isn't against taking care of things. But I think he would be more like this. Come and spend time with me and relationship with me. It's like the most simplest message today. <laughs> and yet it could be the most profound and won't you stop everything you're doing for just a little time and come to me and let me uh, let me speak to you and do something with you and invest my time into you. And, you know, and let me show you something different because you might be putting your hands to something I don't even want you to. You might be engaged in something I've not even called you to do. You might be spending time every day an energy that isn't really truly getting you where you need to go with the Lord. You, You know this because many of us have been through this. The Lord wants to take the work that He does through you and expand it and bring you and keep you into a state of rest and peace in His love. And Israel was missing this and they're missing the Lord. And he would have done it all for them. He would have done it through them. Jesus will say, and my father's always working. Uh, years ago, and some of you have heard this because I said it back in the days of MZ Hot, but he, he said, you know, I'm going to throw the tears in the fire. And I said, what, what do you mean? He, he said, well, make it an acronym. Uh, toil, anxiety, resentment, and emptiness. He said, I want to throw the whole thing in the fire. I don't want you living a life of the neat, neat, neat toil. (laughs) I want you to live a life of faith, adversity, rest, and expansion. And I paid your fare. I'll pay for everything. And what is amazing about it, as simple as that may be, Is that um, you get caught up into this amazing relationship with Him, that He pays for everything, and He takes care of everything for you and through you, just like that. So God's not, you know, trying to make your situation hard. He's wanting to liberate your situation into freedom. He's not hard. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's a good father, and he wants to take care of things for you relationally and uh, uh, in your finances and in your health. He wants to do it, to do it for you. And I found that to be the fundamental aspect of the gospel. And so in the middle of this, Stephen is, <laughs> and you know the story. Uh, I brought it out last week because it, it really blew me away. And I don't know if it blows you away the way it blew me away, but Stephen's going to say something that's very unusual. The heaven's going to open to him. He's going to have a a vision of the heavens open. And he's going to see the one who's at the throne stand up. And... And we know that this man cannot stand because it says this in Psalms 110.1, And the Lord said to my Lord, Sit down until every enemy has made your footstool. Now you know, if father says to the son, Sit down. You're going to do what the father says to do if you're a good son. I said to sit down. He's looking at him, looking at him, and he says, I'm sitting down. Well, that's what I said to do. And don't get up. You ever told your kids that? I said to sit down. (laughs) Ow! (laughs) I said sit down. Sit down right there until every enemy is under your feet. Stephen, what is he like, blaspheming? Or did God finally find a footstool in a man? The Lord found a footstool. I believe he found him in Stephen. He found a place where he could rest his government. He found a man, I believe that Hebrews writes about, that had lost the consciousness of sin. He found a man that knew he was unconditionally elected. He found a man who wouldn't be known by the work of his own hands. He found him a man that was completely his that and he knew it that he knew that he was completely his. Now Stephen knew that Jesus was completely his. He knew that everything that Christ had purchased at the cross was his. He knew that all the riches of the cross and everything the Lord had purchased were his and had been freely given to him and that Jesus had met every condition within him. And Jesus is waiting for just such a man Say, I will not be known by the work of my own hands, I will not get my identity from what I can do and bring to the table even my own my own activity or lack thereof, but one whose eyes are so set on the Lord that the Lord Himself have fulfilled every condition, and he bought it a uh, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> And he knew the anchor of the soul that held him. That Jesus was the condition, met every condition for fallen humanity, and he believed him. He believed him so much that he could stand up as a dishwashing deacon, not even an apostle who is a foundational preacher. A dishwasher who waits tables could give one of the greatest expositions of Scripture ever spoken because he was speaking as though the Lord himself was speaking through him because he was so dead to self that he could testify of who he is. And then he could say, and the Lord would do this for him. The Lord do this in you. He stands up because there's no more enemy in that man. I found a place where I can rest. I found me a footstool. The heavens is my throne. The earth is my footstool. I found me a footstool in a man. And Stephen has the fullness of Christ in him. The reality of the, of the full Christology that Jesus has was uh, delivered to Stephen and infiltrated his entire being. You had him a man. And we see what happens when God gets him a man. Stone him to death. They killed him. Don't get scared now. Don't everybody leave. (laughs) You know, this Jesus standing up thing... (laughs) I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> Today, you know, we go to Job 38. And I didn't put this together until after we were already coming through the worship. And what's he say to him? Uh, you know, stand up and be a man. You, you know, as a believer, you're never going to be really able to stand. You're not going to be able to face what's coming. You're not going to be able to, to navigate through this. Until there's this one thing where you're locked up with Him. And this isn't by the uh, intellectual eye or the external eye, but it is an infiltration, it is a contagion of Christ in you. It's the double helix, it's the complete expression of the Godhead bodily in you. 18 years ago, we get to the mountain. I leave the Air Force, I'm up there, I'm praying, and I I don't know what I'm doing at all. I don't know the Lord, I don't know my Bible. He tells me to go to Obadiah, I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I had to go look it up in the front. I don't even know where Romans is hardly at. I'd remembered General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, but that was about it. He comes to me and he says, I'm gonna union myself with man. I was like, What are you I don't know what that means? What do you mean you're gonna union yourself with man? No, I want to one myself with them. I'm gonna give them all of me. I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. You want to give us all of you? You you're gonna you can. And he said, I'm gonna kill the sin in your life. <laughs> it's not been an easy journey A lot of sin A lot of sin A lot of sin To repent <laughs> A lot of unbelief Mostly So last week I'm like How do you stand up post death and, and we went to um, We went to Hebrews chapter 9 Let's go there and then I'll, I'll build out of there Again this week Let's go to Hebrews uh, 9 uh, After the service Stephen said to me He's like I don't think I've even read Hebrews 9 now. You know, I was like, I know, right? Every week it feels like that, like I haven't ever even read my Bible. That's how I feel. I don't even know that I've even read the Bible. Because when the Lord brings the Word and it becomes flesh and dwells, really changes our understanding. Look at the end of Hebrews chapter 9. Um, Verse 24, for Christ. Now, hey, remember this. I told you his name is not Jesus H. Christ. That's not his last name. Okay. Jesus has the full Christology on himself, the same Christology that he wants to give to you. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with what? Christ, you can't enter this sanctuary made with uh, the work of your own hands. This is what Stephen was getting at. Don't you guys know that this was never going to work? If you're living a reality in your life every day that's based in what you can do, you're really resisting the Lord. Um, the disciples are going to come to the Lord, and John, John six, I believe it is. They said, "What works would you have us to do?" And Jesus gives the definition of work. He says, "Believe on the one whom He has sent." You want to know the definition of work? Right there it is. Believe on the one whom He has sent. He gives the definition of work. Believe on me, relate to me, and I'll work through you. That, that was it. I mean, wait a minute, you know, you can't, that don't make a lick of sense. I was wanting you to give, what's, what's your resume? I mean, you know what I mean? I don't understand. No, I just, I told you how to work. Believe on the one whom he has sent. Because there is no way to enter into this sanctuary. What Stephen enters into, you, can't, you cannot enter into the reality of heaven if you're living every day by the what you can do, uh, come to me as a little child, or you can't even enter in what? To the what? The kingdom. You can't even have access like that. You won't get access. So he says, um, it's the representation of the true sanctuary. But he enters into heaven itself, and he appears now, in God's presence for us. He says, And he didn't offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the sanctuary year, year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared. Now you've you got to hear this now because... It says something really interesting. Once and for all. (laughs) He's appeared there once and for all. At the consummation of the ages to put away sin by his one sacrifice. Now, I pray right now that what I'm preaching and saying to you will be known to you by your spirit and not by your mind. I pray for you that you will have a revelation of this scripture that I can't even hardly give justice to as a preacher, but I pray that you will know this word in your soul. I pray that I'll know it. Because I believe right here in this text, this understanding where we've had to break in again and break in again and break in again and where Jesus has already completed it all now. You see... There's a consummation coming where Holy Ghost fire just burns hot and it's over. There's no more trying to break in and get in and do some kind of metaphysics. I've been hearing all week. I read this preacher 17 years ago and he said, I went from being a metaphysical preacher to a flaming revivalist. And I said, yeah, let's have that. I don't want to do any more metaphysics. You know, I'm like, who cares if you can figure all that out? We want fire. We want Holy Ghost, blazing hot love. <laughs> you know, that's what's going to win this lost world. It ain't going to be because we can get all the metaphysic postulates and presuppositions and dispositions and all that figured out. It's done. And here he's talking about this consummation of the ages. To put away sin by the one sacrifice. And just as people are appointed to die once. And then to face judgment. And I thought about how many times have I had to come up to the judgment tree myself? How many times have I had to come and face judgment? Y'all know what I'm talking about or is it just me? Am I the one that's been living this, or is it just me? Or Are you experiencing this sometimes in your own life? I'm back up to that place of judgment. I mean, Paul's going to say something that's kind of crazy. I don't even judge myself, nor do I care if anybody judges me. This liberty that the Lord wants us to walk in, and I don't have to come back again and again to a place of self-introspective judgment. I'm so released in the blazing hot glory of the fire of the Holy Spirit I'm consumed with him. And I said, let that be the standard. You're the standard one who's completed it all. And I think the Lord likes that. So I've been waiting on you come around. Stop coming back up to that place. Do they like me? Do I like me? I don't know. Who gives a flip? You know, Gus, a couple weeks ago, he said, Carol, what's this thing you're doing up there? It's like an 80s move. He said, man, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I said, no, I actually, I don't care anymore. <laughs> 80s move, flip move, I, whatever. <laughs> I'm feeling, you know, good. <laughs> don't have to be all military and stuff, you know. This is the best thing God could ever do for you to expose everything. <laughs> I would not like that, but still, you know what I mean, that you're free. Why? You're consumed in love. You are finishing up last week. Joseph Palisok comes up at the end. He says, Before the meeting, he hears, I'm still standing. Last week, he's telling a couple of us guys that, Wait a minute. The Lord's having this song sing to Joe before the meeting, I'm still standing. I thought you were sitting. You know what I mean? No, I'm still standing. And what that says to me is there's something about space-time and the breaking in of space-time that to begin to behold Jesus as the one who is standing. Do you understand? You have to be dead. (laughs) You have to be dead to yourself. This is a point on man wants to die. I don't want to die anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? A thousand times. I'll take you to the mountain where I died a thousand times. I'll just die one time and let's get it over with. It's a point on the man wants to die. Why not go ahead and do it now? And let the JSOC come now, the joint judgment seat of Christ. Why not go ahead and... Read Tom's book. <laughs> let this go before the Lord and let him just deal with it all. Let's just be done with it. He's already fulfilled all the conditions and received the unconditional election of the Lord and let it be over with. And I don't know what happens to you, but when that, I enter into that place and I want to just live there, And I bet you do, too. Something in my chest hurts so hard. I heard a guy years ago call it the death love. I don't know what else to call it because it's like painful and it's so loving. And it just sits right here and it burns. And I know that you felt him like that. What about being consumed like that every single moment of your born existence? Why not that we allow the Lord by the Scripture to set the bar where the bar is with the man who's standing? And why not believe the testimony of Scripture and let him stand in you? Why not be consumed? It's the consummation of the ages, is it not? The text says that. Listen to what he says. And I think this is what was happening in the early church Oh, man, they got a hold of this. Everybody quit for 10 days. They said, you know what? Forget all this stuff we're doing. The Lord says, wait in Jerusalem, tarry you until you're, what? Endued with power from on high. Endous a athay with dunamis from hypus, I believe is the way you pronounce it. From on high. It takes a death to wait like that. But he says, it says here, he's bared the sins of many. The one sacrifice for the many, to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time. The Holy Spirit said this to me, and you don't have to believe it. subjective. I want to come now. There's a literal second coming coming, but hey, bride of Christ, sons and daughters of the Lord, The Lord wants you now. He's looking for a people that's like got their eyes like locked up. I'm eagerly. I have an expectation in me. You're going to show up. But in a way maybe that like we had not seen. And we've read about it in church history. He says, I'm going up here not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting on me. Man, so sin's already been dealt with. Uh, years ago, I when I was at Gordon-Conwell, I wrote a paper on D.L. Moody. Moody was downtown Chicago. He had a ministry going on. He he was a, he, I think he was a cobbler. And then he's doing this ministry for young people or kids. They had like 500 kids or whatever. And he said one day he was coming in, he And there was these two ladies sitting there. And they said, "Uh, Mr. Moody, uh, Reverend Moody, can we talk to you for a minute? And he said, well, I'm I'm really busy or whatever. And he was really, you know, ministering to all these people, like all these kids and stuff and wanting to help them. He has a genuine heart for the Lord for sure. And uh, these two old ladies said to him, said, Reverend Moody, we've been uh, praying for you. and And he says this, don't pray for me. I... I got everything I need. Pray for those kids. They, they're really in a bad way. They, they're struggling. They're, they, some of them don't have parents, and they need food and money and stuff. And that, We need to take care of them. Don't pray for me. I said, no, the Lord assigned us to you. And he got aggravated with them. He said, no, this isn't about me. And, you know, we've heard all that. This isn't about me. And now we would say, okay, that's a noble thing to say. Nope, nope, they said, nope, the Lord assigned us to you. And we're going to pray that you're going to be Holy Ghost baptized in fire. And the Lord's going to deal with your work here. And I don't know if you know the story, but the great Chicago fires came and burned all of his buildings and a bunch of buildings to the ground. Now, how's Moody going to take care of all these kids? So D.L. Moody goes up. His name's Dwight Lyman Moody, technical junior, I think. I'm not sure, but he goes up to uh, Wall Street in uh, New York and he's up there. He's trying to raise money so he can rebuild for his ministry. Why would the Lord burn my buildings down? I mean, why would he take what I'm doing for others because isn't that what is so godly to do all these things for all these other people? Why would God put his... Attention just on me. I mean, why would he leave the 99, or in his case, the 499, to go after the 1? When I got all this, and they have nothing. Why would he do something like that? don't make any sense to him. It certainly don't make a lot of sense in our egalitarian culture today. And uh, it's like socialistic, communistic culture. Why the Lord would want to pick someone out like you. (laughs) Why he would just handpick you. And why he would say, many are called but few are chosen. I chose you. And, And then you would hear something like this. It says Moody was walking on Wall Street. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this love comes on him and hits him. And he he famously says he drew away to a friend of his house and throws his hand up in the air like this and says, Lord, stay your hand. I can't take this much love. And the Lord comes down on him. And those ladies' request was met. They said moody, I think if I understand this right, he butchered the Queen's English. He goes to Europe. 60,000 converts in one swipe. He said, I didn't preach anything different the way I was preaching before. I sounded just the same, said basically the same message. But God had come down. And God had got him somebody. And then God got him a bunch of bodies. You see, uh, The Lord's after us, all of us. He's been setting this whole thing up. The consummation of the ages is at hand. And the Lord's going to have him a people. And it's going to change the world. And I wonder if we would just, like, say whatever... Lord, help me. I can't even do it. I have no strength to do it. I I can't do this. I need grace just to wait on you. I need you for you. I don't, because this isn't about striving or guilting or anything, because you can't do it, I can't do it, but we could at least say and recognize something about who He is. I I paid for everything. It's over. To tell a sty, it's finished. You know what? i make a commitment. I'm not going to stop preaching this message ever. I'm not going to back off. You know, it says that my soul has no pleasure in them that draw back. Well, I don't want to be like one of those who draws back. When the Lord says, come on in and taste the goodness of the consummation of the ages, I've finished everything. I unconditionally elected you. I didn't do it on your condition. I did it because I love you. I didn't do it because you got everything right or, or didn't get everything right. I did it because I love you. And I did it because it brings glory to my Father. And I did it because I wanted a big family. And I want my family to be bigger. I wanted to expand my family all over the earth. And I wanted to intrude into your daily affairs and mess with you. And some of y'all have finally let me mess with you. Let's stand together. And you said I you know what, I'm going to go all the way. And you know what, instead of building a golden calf and trying to build some kind of edifice to ministry, which is what has happened so much, the traps, the traps are so laid in by the enemy to get us off point out of this just simple devotion to Jesus, that we would be simply devoted to Him And have our eyes fixed on the Lord. And that would be it. Post five-fold ministry. That we wouldn't even get our eyes fixed on ministry gifts and ministry offices and ministry positions and ministry buildings. And the whole thing just thrown into the fire. And that we would be consumed by the fire. And that's who you are. That's who you are. And that is why you are here. Because you were made for the consummation of the ages. And I can't make it happen and you can't make it happen. And this is a recognition of the sovereign move of God's spirit who has to do it because nobody could get any credit for it. It wasn't because I prayed more, because I fasted more, because I read the Bible more, because I was more devoted than the next guy or the other guy. It wasn't because of Sinai. It was because of him. And this is my testimony. It was because of you. It's because of you outside of space-time that you did this for us, and that's it. And you made the one sacrifice, and it's Mm -hmm. over with. And I don't know how to align your heart like that, and I don't know how to align mine like that, but i at least want to say it out loud. And I at least got to because the Lord's burning my heart to say it and made me so hungry for Him myself that I can't hardly stand it. I don't want the ivory tower, and I don't want the name and lights. I don't care. I just want you, Lord, right now, again, until you decide that you're going to intervene into the affairs of men and you're going to set a blaze of fire in the earth and that we are posture our heart as your people to wait on you to you decide when it's right and you got us just the way you want us. And that we are looking at you. And that no flesh will glory. No flesh will glory. Because you have killed every bit of flesh in us. That we don't have anything else to say but Lord we're yours. Now let my prayer be unto you Lord consume us, Lord. We wait on you. I don't know how this is going to happen, when this is going to happen, but it's going to happen. It's marked the words of the Lord. It's done. I don't know to what extent He has to run us out, and. Work us and all these different angles. I don't know at all. I, I don't know anything about I just know that he put something in my heart a long time ago. And I'm just like, I don't care what it takes. We're going all the way. The Lord would run after you and leave the 99 and come for you. He's got you pinned down. We're not going to be tempted, Lord, to get another... Get Aaron to fix us up something really pretty like and make it all beautiful and stuff and so we can see something when you're unseen. And uh, we don't need to see something. We don't want any idolatry, Lord. We don't want any more adultery. We just want you right, right, see? And I I, I like this because he says, those who are eagerly expecting... There's this kind of thing that happens in your heart. I don't know if you felt this before. I have. Oh, my goodness, there you are. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there you are again. Oh, man, that feels good. And it's like this royalty comes in on you. Oh, man, I'm the, I'm the son of the Lord. And then I'm a daughter of the king. I'm, oh, man, I feel so good inside. It feels good to be known, it feels good to be loved. I really like you a lot. And you're like, I like you too. I like you. I like you. I really love you. I double love you. I double love you. I triple love you. You know, it's kind of like joy like that. It's beyond words. The Spirit of God wants this more than anything. He's the hound of heaven. He's been tracking us all down right here in the middle of the wind, in the middle of the cold cracking us in, hemming us in, I want you, I want you, Lord, they didn't love their lives to the death, so let's go post death. Have been entrusted to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. And, and, and I know because he said this to me. He said, many of my servants say get tired sometimes in the waiting. Lord would proclaim rest over your soul and that you would experience the great rest of faith. It's not striving. It's the rest of God coming to you. It's just resting in Him, resting in His sovereign goodness because He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down. And I will give you rest. So the Lord even gives you the rest that you need to enter into rest. You don't even have to do that. You don't have to make yourself wait. I'll give you the rest that you need to rest. Everything is by grace. Everything. Everything is given. Everything is a gift. Everything. Everything. Take my yoke. Yoke yourself up with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm meek. I'm lowly.
4: Press multiple times that I'm supposed to share this this morning. Um, it definitely ties into the teaching, and it's impacting me. Before I do, though, I do want to make sure it's clear that I was complimenting Carol about his moves during his performance. <laughs> I was just jealous, that's all. <laughs> but, uh, but this is after, you know, Paul has stated all of his... Uh, all of his credentials, and again, this is the message translation, and he goes on in verse seven to say, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dog. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. I didn't want some petty, inferior, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. And uh, I just found myself really thinking about how much time I've spent um, looking at my credentials, doing an inventory on my credentials, trying to make sure other people might know about my credentials, and how much of a wasted uh, effort all that was. And uh, it's also just so liberating, so restful to throw it all in the trash. (laughs) The profession I work in is all based on credentials. You're constantly having to prove your credentials, add more credentials, build your reputation, and uh, it could get exhausting, obviously. And it just kind of gets worked into you, like, that it becomes just sort of an automated way of thinking about things. And to get free of that, like, who could get free of that, right? Like, and so I ended up just kind of writing this little bit, too. And I'm sharing it because I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there because I don't want this just to be words, a moment. I want this to be, like, something permanent for me, in me. Right? I want this freedom, and so I wrote, all my credentials are meaningless. They have no power. They do belong buried in the trash. They serve as a distraction to the only credential that matters, Jesus's life and God's kingdom. My health, my education, my income, my material possessions, my looks, my fitness, my professional reputation, my intelligence, my strength, my appearance, my successes, my connections, any skills I have, all worthless. None of it is worthy of thinking about or projecting into the world. It's all rubbish. Only him, only him and his kingdom. Stop looking at yourself. There's not much to see there. So it kind of reveals a bit of my vanity, but I'm going to share it anyway. (laughs) Anyway, thank you.
0: glory, Lord. We magnify your name. We honor you, Lord. Glory are you, Lord. And great is your glory. You're worthy, Lord. Your honor, Lord. We bless your name. name. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. All that's within me, bless your Holy shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Bless you. Amen.
1: And I am His promised bride And I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope and a dress and veil as snow and he said he'd come for me he'd know when I'm ready and my heart is aching for the coming I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get. I must get ready now Shining bright with oil to last the night. In this passion it is a fire, and it burns with pure desire. Oh, and he said.